the second time, like I, you know, I really didn't want to go back to jail and I got caught in a high speed chase and I had a gun with me and I just thought if I get stopped, I'm just going to pull it and, and let the cops do their thing. And going from that to waking up the next morning and realizing that, you know, when I went to pull the gun, the, the gun got stuck. Um, you know, I just, I just didn't want to waste my life. This is the Gently Mad, a show where I talk to and pick the brains of the smartest people running creative online businesses. Actually, not so much. If you're looking for that inspirational kick in the pants to help take your life and career to the next level, then this is probably not the place for you. To be perfectly honest, this podcast is about me. Hey, I'm Adam Clark and I'm your host. Thanks for listening. I do talk to people on this show, but instead of that double rainbow of success BS that you'll get in most entrepreneurial shows, we talk about failure, self-doubt, and all the insecurities that we all have that keep us from doing much of anything with our lives. If that sounds like your kind of thing, then head over to avclark.com slash TGM and subscribe. Any actionable advice or helpful tips are simply a byproduct and purely unintentional. How's it going, guys? I hope you're having a great Monday. Welcome to the Gently Mad. I'm Adam Clark. Thanks for listening. This is episode 18. We've made it to 18 in like three weeks, which is more than I could have hoped for, to say the least. And I need to say thank you to all of you who are listening. Thanks to all the new listeners who are just tuning in. It has blown my mind how many of you are listening to this show. I really appreciate it. Um, when I launched the show, well, okay, let's, before I get into that, um, that was kind of a hell of a teaser, huh? I mean, seriously, are you not going to listen to the rest of this episode after that? But I've got Dan Martell on the show today. And if you don't know, Dan Martell is an entrepreneur, a Canadian entrepreneur. He's proudly Canadian entrepreneur who is an investor and the founder of clarity.fm. You can check it out. I have my own profile there if you want to check it out. Um, it's a really cool company uh, allowing people to connect with mentors. And you'll see that through this conversation, how much mentors have been a part of Dan's whole life. And I got to say, this has been one of the most unique stories I've ever heard. Like, I, I just, I kind of sat back and was just taken aback from Dan's story to hear where he came from and what he's been able to accomplish was this is by far one of the most inspiring episodes and you just heard in the intro that I'm not trying to be inspiring and all that bullshit it's not bullshit okay Uh, there is something to be said for inspiration I don't set out to be inspiring But I guess I should clarify that a little bit because I've had a lot of people email me who are actually kind of confused by, you know, some of the titles that I give these episodes, um, which some of them are jokes, some of them are serious. And they come to the show thinking it's, you know, a business show and they're going to learn how to level up and, you know, achieve their best life now and get a million dollars and retire on the beach, you know, going to dominate the world. Well, that... That's what I mean when I say this. my show is not that kind of show. If that's what you want, if you want tips and tricks, hacks, shortcuts to get to success, you're not going to find that here. Just go to iTunes and search for entrepreneurship and you'll find plenty of podcasts about that kind of stuff. But 
that doesn't mean that the show is not inspiring. And this episode with Dan was hands down just incredible. First of all, uh, I didn't realize we had the connection we do. He grew up in Moncton, Canada, New Brunswick. I don't know if any of you listening know where that is. But that's also where my dad was born and raised and where I spent a lot of childhood vacations. And so it was just, it was kind of uh, freaky, like small world, kind of freaky that we both had that connection to Moncton. But Dan's just got an incredible story here about everything this show really is about, how to make something of your life that matters to you and how to self-educate and how to kind of live on your own terms, as it were. Dan is a great example of that, and I had so much fun talking to him, and I think you're going to love hearing this. And and as I've said about 20 million times now, be inspired. I was inspired to actually just get to stuff, get shit done, just start doing stuff, and stop thinking about it so much. That's another theme of the show. So what I was about to say back at the beginning before I uh, decided to go ahead and introduce the guest of this week's episode is... At the launch of this show, I ran a contest for uh, two weeks, I think, or so, where I gave away some stuff, and I've been trying to think of a way to continue that, to do that kind of on a regular basis, uh, because it does help, and I haven't decided what to do yet. I haven't decided whether to just give away like a $50 Amazon gift card uh, every week to a random person who subscribes and leaves a rating and review. Or whether to give away sort of a book of the week. So if you have a preference, if you would prefer one of those two, email me and let me know, adam at avclark.com. I'd really know which would be more impactful for you. I'm starting this week with giving away a copy of Seth Godin's latest book, which if you haven't listened to the interview with Seth Godin, it was episode... 15, I believe. Uh, it'll be in the show notes, which you can find at avclark.com slash 18. That was a great conversation. And everything we talked about in that conversation is what Seth's new book is about. This book is called What to Do When It's Your Turn, and It's Always Your Turn by Seth Godin. And I, I ordered it, and I read it, and it is just, like all of Seth's book books, it is just uh, really, really great. But this one, I don't know, this one spoke to me in a way that some of the others haven't quite as much because I've struggled with that a lot in my life, you know, what to do when it's your turn. And I feel like in some ways with the show and my course and the various things that have been happening in my life recently, that it's my turn. You know, I, I decided to do something and I just fucking did it. And it has brought me uh, more success than I thought would have been possible. So in a way, I feel like this is my turn. And his book is all about that. What what to do when it's your turn. But the other point of the book is that it's always your turn. No matter where you think you are in life, you have a choice to make. And so I'm going to be giving away a copy of that book, which actually you can't just buy one copy. You can only get it uh, in multiple copies. It's a large, high quality, full color magazine style book. And I'm going to send a copy of that book to uh, a random person that uh, leaves me a rating and review and follows a couple of steps that you can find at avclark.com slash contest. So if you go to that page, 
It'll show you what to do. You'll be entered and you can win a copy of this book and I will send it to you. It's great. It's definitely worth reading. So again, avclark.com slash contest and get in on that. And let me know if you like the book idea or you like the Amazon gift card idea because I haven't decided, but I want to do something. Also, when you do leave those ratings and reviews, uh, put your name and link in there. You know, I'd like to give you a shout out. You know, I really do appreciate it. It's because of you guys who do those sorts of things that this show has gone to accomplish what it has accomplished so far. I'm still getting massive amounts of email, which is not not a uh, derogatory. And I'll say that in any negative way at all. Please keep sending the email. I really appreciate it. Um, I will respond. Sometimes it takes me a couple days to respond because I have to kind of just set aside certain times to go through and respond to the email because I'm not used to having this volume of email. But that's what makes me do this show. If you like this show, then that's the stuff that makes me want to keep doing it. You know, I, I just today, just today, I've got, I got three emails uh, ran on, on a Sunday, you know, which Sundays are kind of slow. It's usually a lot more during the week, like dozens and dozens. But today I got, I don't know, nine or 10, but three in particular were from people who just talked about how much they have enjoyed this show and it's encouraged them to follow, I don't want to say passion because it sounds cheesy and I don't really like that word, but to but basically to, to do what they want to do, stop thinking about it and just get to it. And I couldn't think of any better thank you, any anything that would make me feel better than to get that kind of email. So if that's been your experience, please let me know. It, it really encourages me to keep doing this show when I feel like quitting, because believe me, there are times when I feel like quitting. This show takes a lot of work. And those emails keep me going. Definitely they do. So thank you for that. Uh, so I think I think that's it. I don't know. I think that's it. Yeah. What did I mention? The contest. If you want the Seth Godin book, avclark.com slash contest. Uh, yeah, that's it. All right. Back to Dan. We just, man, such a great conversation. We, we covered everything from our education system <laughs> to raising kids, talked a ton about business, and Dan has just got so much wisdom to share. I, I can't, I, I don't want to spoil it. I'm not going to tell you anymore. You just got to listen to the interview. So we'll be right back with my conversation with Dan Martell after this quick word from our sponsor. So I have these friends. Let's call friend one Alan and friend two Steve. Their names have not been changed for their protection. They run a company called Less Accounting. Now I know what you're thinking. Accounting? What could be more boring? But that's exactly the point. Less Accounting is accounting software for business owners who hate accounting. All right? What you're about to hear is completely unscripted. I decided to call up one of Less Accounting's customers and ask what they thought about the software without them even knowing I was recording. Actually, I hope that's not illegal now that I think about it. Need to check on that, I guess. This is Jonathan. I don't like numbers. Um, so, 
So it's helped a lot in that regard that because we had QuickBooks for a while and just it, we just had no idea what to do with it. It was just way too complicated. And so I do appreciate its simplicity, you know, and when you get to the complicated stuff, that's where our accountant comes in and he takes care of all that. Less accounting even saves you time and money when it comes to tax season because your CPA has far less to do. You can give them your login or give them access to your account and everything is there. They can run some reports, print out your stuff, do your taxes. Boom, it's done. And, you know, like at this point, like he even says when he comes to us, he's like, your guys is the easiest books that I ever have to deal with. He's like, it's all online. Like he comes over, we go through stuff. We like feed him breakfast and it probably takes us like an hour or two at the most every year. Like that's about all the time he spends with us. Did you know that uh, this is part of an ad read for less accounting? An ad read? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're, you're not being paid to say these wonderful things about Alan and Steve and their company? No, no, no none of that. No, sure. None of that. <laughs> Though they may claim that, it's, it's not true. <laughs> so what have we learned? Less accounting is great software. It saves you time. It saves your CPA time, which saves you money. Now... You don't have to go feed your CPA breakfast. I'm sure they would appreciate it. That part's up to you. But what you do need to do is go check out Less Accounting. You can go to lessaccounting.com slash TGM. And there's a special page set up there just for you with information just for you. And while you're there, put in the offer code TGM for two months free off any Less Accounting plan. Less Accounting, accounting software for business owners who hate accounting. All right, not going to waste any time this time, folks. Let's just get right to it. Here's my conversation with Mr. Dan Martell. On this earth are you right now i am in san diego you're in san diego like vacation I, or living yeah san diego uh, i'm here well i call it workation so we're here for four months though so. <laughs> nice orcation did you say orcation or workation Work, workation okay orcation i was thinking like some sort of lord of the rings fest thing i'm not sure what that would be <laughs> yeah like orcs <laughs> you know but uh yeah, so uh, interesting. So you, four months. So is that uh, annual, is that a regular thing? Uh, we travel quite a bit. I mean, we're, we're, we usually do like six weeks every different places. And this time I wanted to do like four months because I've always wanted to spend time in San Diego. I have a lot of friends here. So um, yeah, we just, you know, I, if it was up to me, we would live in all parts of the world. But my wife... Uh, always has the last say and this is the best I've been able to pull off but every time it gets better and better I think yeah. eventually, you know it's like you know boiling the water and a frog in it I think eventually I'll just get her to <laughs> be open to uh, three countries a year three or four months her. each yeah exactly yeah I find that so fascinating I've told my wife I said you know I don't know if do you have kids yet or not I guess two little boys yeah you do One have kids half, okay one and a half and two and a half. Wow, you're yeah. right in it, man. Um, Dude, that's I've, why she decides. I mean, yeah. in fact, I got four months. It started off with two weeks. So, well, 
Mine are seven and five, and so they the last year, this year is the first year that they've both been in school. So it's been kind of a for my wife anyway. You know, we've been kind of a one income family. You know, she's had stayed home with the kids, so it's the first time in like almost six years that she's had a uh, a breather. You know, and so yeah, there's no moving happening for me anytime soon because no. they're finally in school. And but but I've told her I was I've, I've been fascinated with this idea of maybe I don't know I don't know how old but at some point taking a year and and homeschooling them for a year and you know selling everything and and getting an RV and like traveling the US um, just because we couldn't really do more than that I think in a year but just literally travel the whole country and spend as long as we want to spend in certain places and just you know experience that I think Man, like what kind of how awesome of an experience would that be for a kid? The only challenge with that is I think for my wife and what I've experienced is it you it's too big of an ask. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's a lot. Like that you know like the way I I've, I've approached over the last like pretty much 5 years um you know was just like little things. Like let's do a week, let's do 2 weeks, let's let's yeah. go 6 weeks and then you know the 4 months is the next, you know, this this is the longest we've done. But, you know, it, it's um I had the exact same thought, right? Like I wanted to get in an RV and just drive around. But then, you know, she's like, well, what happens? You know, like who takes care of it? She runs a business too. So that's what's crazy about it is we're both entrepreneurs and yeah, and, yeah. and we're raising two kids at the exact same time. So it's... um, Does she work not, with you or does she have her own business? Company. It's not for the faint of heart. Like people, people are like, oh, you're so lucky. I'm like, I start my day at 5 a.m. We do <laughs> two hour sprints back to back. So we each take care of the kid while the other one works. And we try to get everything done by 2 p.m. so that we can take the afternoons off. And most people, I just don't think, have the you know stamina or tolerance or you know yeah. will do that. So I don't know, think sounds, so either. Sounds yeah. great, but it's um, it definitely requires a lot of work. Well, it would like my idea was just one year because I don't think I can handle it for more than that. It would be more the experience of just uh, you know most people tend to kind of grow up and. You know, now, the world we live in now, I mean, people are definitely more transient, but, you know, I'm 35 and I think even most people from my generation tend to kind of relatively stay in the same general area their whole life. Yeah. You know, they might they might go somewhere for college or go somewhere for this or for I that think thing. once you get 30, you kind of like pick your spot. Yeah, exactly. And you just kind of stay there. And so, you know, I kind of wanted my kids to, you know, um, experience more than just where they grew up and, and, uh, I don't know, in a way maybe eliminate some of the fear of the unknown so that they can kind of do whatever they want to do. I don't know. I'm just not a big traveler, which it seems like you are like, you know, if it was up, if it were up to you, it sounds like you just would be living on the road. Is that what you'd really like to do? Yeah. I mean, I just, I just find this concept of, um, you know, where you live and kids going to school, like my kids aren't going to go to normal school. They're going to be homeschooled or whatever you want to call it. Like, it's just, I just, I guess, I don't know if it's just the entrepreneur in me, but I just, every part of my life, I try to figure out like, you know, if I was to design this from scratch, what would it look like? Yeah. And when I think of like the concept of living in a physical location, that just doesn't make sense to me. Like the world is there for us to explore and why can't, why can't you? Like, I'm, you know, I don't yeah. know if you work from home, but I mean, if you, yeah, you know, I do. It, it's tough, but it's uh, it can be done. So if it can be, let's try it. And turns out it's not as hard as you know. It definitely requires work, but you know, it, it, it's just you know. I don't know. Maybe it is just my you know, like kind of go do things that most people don't do kind of attitude. But yeah, um, 
you know, I just, I'm happier when I'm in places with people and it's, and you know, like I'm just happier seeing friends I haven't seen in a while. Like, I mean, with clarity and, and just through my travel, I've been able to make friends in pretty much every city in the world. So yeah. being yeah. able to go to Italy or, you know, San Diego and, uh, and kind of show up and have a group of friends and then kind of build it from there is just super fun. I, I wouldn't want yeah. to do it any other way. Yeah, I, for me, I find that it's like it's it's not like I want to be completely like traveling all the time, but I find that it, it really the longest I last in any sort of place is about two, maybe three years at the most before I'm ready to move on because I just kind of thrive in that environment of everything's fresh, everything's new, um, and I'm exploring new things, trying new things, and then once enough time has passed and I kind of you know, know my way around town, everything is sort of uh, old hat at that point, then it starts to get really boring. And and, well, I, th- and I think, and this is where I think like, I, you know, I'm still trying to figure out the optimal time, but I feel like four months is perfect. Like we, our home base is still in Canada. So like, you know, having it there and then, you know, like we still see our friends pretty often, right? So if we, if we did three to four months trips twice a year, and we were home the rest of the time, it would, it would still feel like we're living in our hometown, our, we'd still see our family and friends frequent yeah. enough at the year, but we'd still get to, to actually live. See, the difference is like the difference between traveling and living. Like I'm not traveling. I'm living in San Diego. Yeah. Right. We got a house. We've got, you know, nanny. It's like we're living here. We, we go to the local coffee shops. We got a gym membership. So it's like I feel like that's the really interesting part. It's um, that's totally different when I think some people think like I want to travel around the world and they spend three days in each city. It's like yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't. Yeah. Do that. Yeah, you can't really, I mean, you can't do anything in three days' that's time. Not, yeah, yeah, that's not, I, I would not want to have to reset. Like, it's once you get a routine going, it feels great. And, you know, we've been here 10 days, but starting <laughs> to feel like, got it. Nice. So how do you, I'm just really curious, how do you do that? Like, with the San Diego, with, with whatever, um, did you just, like, find a, a Craigslist house to rent? Or, like, like how do you actually uh, do that? The, well, so the place we're now, did I, I found it on uh, VRBO. And uh-huh. then, so we're in this place for a month and then the next week. So the other thing what I want to do is like try to test out different neighborhoods, but all in the same general area. Yeah. Uh, so we're moving uh, at the end of the month, but yeah, we just use VRBO. How do you do that with like, uh, with stuff? Are you, are you renting like furnished everything. places? Oh they, yeah, they come with everything. Okay. And so you just, you, you've, I guess, kind of nailed down a way to, uh, you know, pack and, and you know what to take with you that, that that's what you'll really well, see, need for a practice. few months. And yeah. So that's why it's good to start with like two weeks, three weeks. You, you kind of start building that muscle memory. And now, you know, my wife doesn't stress as much when we're gone for four months because really you just need enough stuff, like pretty much just clothes and like baby stuff. And then, um, everything else you can buy locally. I mean, I'm not, I didn't ask her to go to like some, you know, Japan where she may not know what huggy. <laughs> size five is but yeah um well the awesome the awesome thing about that is is like i'm a big um i'm a huge minimalist and and i i I, my ultimate dream is to eventually own nothing someday (laughs) you know and 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 that living that kind of lifestyle where like that's how it is like i have i have um actually i have a podcast mike you want me to plug that in uh sure yeah you want to do that yeah, I just well, that's the the few things I travel with is my uh, my DSLR and my podcast mic. So I have okay. a blue Yeti, and then everything else is just like you know a couple pairs of jeans and some clothes. So nice. All right, it's plugged in. Dan Dan Martell, what's up? <laughs> yeah, I was I was talking in the wrong end. Just one sec, just unwiring. <laughs> Things you say in a digital world. I know. I'm gonna have so many great. I'm gonna have so many options to pick for the intro bumper here. I don't, I'm not even gonna know.
There you go. Okay. Yeah. No, that sounds good. Sounds good. Cool. For sure. Yeah. Now I feel like a pro. Uh, You know, what's funny is that I've done a lot of interviews and I, it was only like six months ago. I realized how much of an asshole I was not owning a $99, (laughs) you know, like it's really not that expensive, but the quality is. is Well, I was going to ask you like what you say you travel with your DSLR and your podcast, Mike, but I didn't, maybe you have a podcast and I'm that out of the know. Okay. So it's just just for interviews. Yeah. Interviews, webinars, um, just anytime, you know, I, I realize how like when you do audio, it's it, the quality, the sound makes such a big difference. Totally. Just well, out of respect. Do you, do you want a really quick tip right now? Yeah. Live on the air. Um, yeah, I love that. You can, uh, uh, a lot of people like the Yeti. It's a hundred bucks, but actually uh, you should go to Amazon and check out the Audio-Technica ATR 2100. It's a USB and XLR mic. It's less than 50 What's bucks. What's it called? ATR. ATR 2100. And nice it's less than 50 bucks. It's smaller than the Yeti. It sounds way better in my opinion. Oh, and wow. um, But it looks like just like a mic. Am I looking at the it, wrong one? No, it looks like a regular mic. It's not as pretty as uh, some of the higher priced, but I kid you not, man, um, that mic will... Uh, it, it doesn't, it is so good. It doesn't pick up. Yeah, I don't want that back, the pickup. It's like almost like and this was made for like guitar playing or something. And that's what that mic will give you. You'll be able to plug that thing in, right, USB, straight into your computer, Proceed and you will not check. pick up any background noise, and it'll sound like you're talking on a $300 All right, man, just mic. just bought it. <laughs> nice. So I've, I've helped someone today. So there that's go. that's good. Changing but... lives one microphone <laughs> at a time. Exactly. That's, that should be my subtitle. That should have been the subtitle of my course. Yeah, there anyway. But, uh, yeah, so I'm just fascinated by the whole, you know, so where is your home base in Canada? Uh, it's a really small town called uh, Moncton, New Brunswick. It's right above Maine. It's like the top hat of Maine in the East Coast. Yeah, well, you're not going to believe this, but um, um, I spent uh, much time as a child in Moncton because that's where my- Shut the fuck up. I'm serious. My dad Dude. My dad was born and okay, raised maybe, in Moncton. Yeah, explain me something like- I need to know you're not toying with me. Like, name me something that I would know about Moncton that you would know. Oh, man. Now, see, that would be tough because <clears throat> I'm 35 and I haven't been in probably 20 years. But, um, but why what Moncton? A, what a, what a, well, like I just said, my, my dad was born and raised in Moncton. And, um, Are you so serious? I'm serious. He, he was a- Dude, you're like one of the- I've talked to hundreds of thousands of people. You're the first person that's ever been in Moncton from the U.S. <laughs> Dude, I-, I and, and it's probably just because of- um, um, Was he working like, for the railroad? road or something no 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 no. his dad worked in uh the like the coal mines and yeah. so um but my, my dad by the time he he went to college in london ontario and then moved down to buffalo new york and eventually you know made his way down to the southeast tennessee um georgia atlanta area where that's where i come into the picture and my mom and all that so um and then we kind of stayed here but he, he stayed a canadian citizen the whole time so we would, we would, you know, many vacations were trips up to Monc- Moncton, PEI, and and um, Nova Scotia in that area because I have a lot of family spread out between Moncton and Toronto, and then some family as far west as like Medicine Hat and stuff like that. But um, most of it is all right around Moncton, and I remember, you know, I, I remember going up there and, you know, just just how different like. The, the little malls or strip malls felt and just everything felt different than the US it was just different enough that it was like I was in a strange place and that's what was exciting about it for sure no it's um I mean I, I left when I was 21 and then recently came back a couple of years ago and we started having kids and really just to make it my home base but uh, it's definitely a unique place that I didn't realize how unique it was until I left yeah I, lo- I mean I you know 
I, I'm torn, like, because I, I love the West Coast, like where you are now. I, I spent about seven years in Los Angeles, and so I, I, I love the West Coast. Um, and I also love um, the New Brunswick area, you know, the Moncton area. And the only way I can explain that I love that is just because of the childhood memories. I, I don't know if I moved there now, if I would love it, or if it's just if, if it's just got all these memories wrapped up in it with being there with my dad and 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 you know checking out you know the old homestead as it were and and all that kind of stuff but um but i tell my wife eventually someday we're either going to end up back in california or we're going to end up in canada so i don't know i don't know if i could pick two more opposite places in terms of weather and whatnot yeah yeah i I say go where the sunshine is that's just my opinion (laughs) well yeah i agree are you uh i I just had a conversation with another guy about this are are you like really affected by like are you one of those people who's who's really affected by the weather or you really don't care no i I, i'm not affected by it but it bugs me so like i get frustrated if i i I lived in fort mcmurray alberta which is super north and uh Mm -hmm. now the fact you got to plug your car in at night so that it'll start in the morning just (laughs) felt like life's too short to be living that kind of life and uh you know it's just um i don't know i felt like i've been working my ass off to have freedom units and those freedom units i'm gonna use and I'm you know, blown. I'm blown away that you're you're from. I knew you're Canadian, but I'm blown away that you're you're from. Did you grow yeah. up? Were you born and raised in Moncton? Born in Moncton, actually Riverview wow. across the river. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah, crazy. French Canadian. That's that is so insane. I, I still have I still have uh, family there. I, I don't talk to them as much, um, but uh, but yeah, lots of cousins and you know extended family and. And I still, you know, I was about six years old when my dad, when we made the first trek, we would always drive, you know, from Atlanta to Moncton, which you can imagine was a quite a long haul. And my girl, my oldest daughter is seven. So I think it's not going to be too long before we make that trip, just because those are like my favorite memories from being a kid is making those trips with my mom, my dad and, and uh, visiting those places that just felt, uh, they felt unique. And Tim Hortons. I mean, come there on. you go, man. That's the staple. Like, even when I leave, like, I would be gone for like a year from Canada. I would like land in Toronto or Vancouver and like getting a coffee, even though it's like shit, it just feels like home. I don't know what it is. I agree with you. Like, the coffee it's just is home. It's, it's not it's like, crap. yeah, it's horrible. It, it's not like some, you know, artisan old, you know, hipster Portland coffee, but. There's just something about Tim Hortons that, you know, it just feels all warm and fuzzy. It just reminds me of my childhood, you know? And exactly. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's like a mom's cooking. It's like just the smell or the, 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 yeah. the taste. Just, yeah, just something about making well, it Well, I, like I kind of feel the same way. I've talked to a lot of people who are from Canada as well, but no one who was from Moncton. So that is, it's just, that's unbelievable, man. But that was one thing I was going to ask you is, you know, in all your bios and, by the way, I got to tell you, um, your website, danmartelva.com, um, I think I discovered it a couple years ago, and it was the version where you kind of had the headshot that kind of faded to black, and it was the two-column website with... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I-, I discovered it in some sort of design gallery because, uh, you know, my career for a while now, um, up until recently, has been in web design, and I remember thinking that's... The most beautiful use of Helvetica that I had ever seen. And- Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I worked with a good buddy of mine, Mark Hemi, and um, it was funny because like he he's like probably one of the most talented designers. He's now working with Kevin Rose on uh, at North, and uh, you know like it is 
you know, I can't get him. Like I just found this perfect week moment in time where he was open enough and kind enough to work on my personal website. And, yeah. uh, but I'm, and so, so yeah, I had that so long. I actually just recently, uh, just moved to a theme, but I'm working on a custom new site as well. Cause I, I, you know, I love design and I love kind of figuring out where the future's going yep. and kind of having that represented, but. Well, your new um, site's great too. And, and I like eh. that. Um, but I just, uh, the, the, that one from a couple years ago, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it just showed up in a lot of design galleries or how well, yeah, exactly he, he, I found it. Just it got but... picked up and submitted. Like I okay. would get people tweet me all the time, and and just the way it was, you know, it was fairly early in the responsive game as well. And yeah, yeah, that's one of the tricks I learned um, as a as a web designer is if you're gonna if you want to get even if. Uh, your I even if the site you're building isn't about design, um, if it's well designed, submit it to all the galleries because it'll get picked up by most of them and it'll drive a lot of traffic. And um, some of that traffic is going to be uh, relevant traffic. So <laughs> there's another tip. But uh, yeah, I love that site. And and what the question I was getting to is that you um, in your bio and kind of everywhere, like you always say. Um, you always include Canadian. Like I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm an, an investor. Canadian, because I'll tell you in the first three seconds that I meet you. Yeah, well, so that's what I was going to ask you. Like, where does that? You know, like I said, I talk to a lot of people that are from Canada. I have a lot of friends, um, but you're the only one I know who, like, in your bios and stuff, like you make a point of stating that you're not just an entrepreneur. You're a Canadian entrepreneur, and so I just wondered, like, what, what why? Like, why do you say that? You know? Yeah, I, I guess. Um, I never really thought of it. Um, you're actually the first person ever asked me. I think it may go back when I was like 22. I traveled to Australia and I always laughed at the Americans and put the Canadian uh, patches on their backpacks. Yeah. Um, so they would pretend to be Canadian. So I thought that was kind of uh, interesting. And <laughs> Why then, did they do that? Well, because Americans were not well sought. Uh, yeah. You know, they were just looked at yeah. as uh, kind of uh, arrogant. And it's, it, there's no truth in it whatsoever. Like if you're, it's really the mindset. If you're the kind of person that's going to go backpacking for six months in Australia, you're a cool person, right? Like, Oh, well, I, I completely get it. I, I spent six yeah. months in the, in the Middle East about 10 years ago and, and you did not, you know, go in, you know, Greece and, and Syria and all those places. And yeah, you were, you were much better off, uh, not being I, an American. I, actually, yeah, I remember in those one places. time talking. Yeah, I think traveling could solve so many problems in the world if we just got everybody to actually go travel and yeah. and, and and understand what they're talking about firsthand. Yeah. Um. You know, but that's a side tangent. But you know, I, I started. I guess maybe when I started uh, when I moved to San Francisco, the other thing was you know I, I've got a. I didn't know anybody. I didn't. You know, I moved there in 2008, right after the crash, and um, I just started telling people I was Canadian as a way to kind of hopefully suss out the other Canadians around yeah. me because I figured. If anybody's going to give me time to, you know, th that wants to sit down and hang out, you know, I, I didn't know, seriously, nobody, not one high school friend, no, yeah. not one coworker, nothing. So um, I did it that way. And then um, I guess I just kept doing it. And, yeah. you know, and then, and then really I'm just, I'm just super proud and, and diehard Canadian real in, in New Brunswick or like, I mean, you know, even though we haven't had a big tech scene, we did have Radiant 6 that sold to Salesforce for 350 million and Q1 Labs sold yeah. to uh, IBM for 500 million. So I almost, pound for pound, man, we've got something in the water. Seriously. There, I, yeah. I, I almost moved there when I was 18 cause I was working for IBM and I, I had this idea, you know, I was 18. It was like feeling like time to leave home and Again, I was on a trip with my dad um, up to New Brunswick, and and there's there was an IBM center there in St. John. Okay, and and so I went there and, and kind of looked around, and for a while there, I was very I was almost on the verge of uh you know like applying to transfer to that location just for the fun of you know moving across moving 
thousands of miles away and seeing what it was like. But I don't know. I guess I chickened out. But it, uh, there's yeah, there's a <laughs> the lot thought of was there. Yeah, the thought was there. It would have been it would have been interesting. But um, but yeah. So the the whole um, so you're in Moncton and you're you're doing this trap. So what? Do you try to avoid the winters? Is that the deal? Or what time do you spend back in Moncton each year? Yeah, so I actually left when I was 21. So um, moved out west in Canada to, uh, I went to uh, Calgary and Alberta and then uh, worked there as a consultant. So, you know, and then I started a consulting company that worked with enterprise uh, Fortune 500 customers. That was Sphere Technology. So mm-hmm. um, pretty much at that point, even though I might have had a place in Moncton, I was on the road like 250 days a year mm, all, over, yeah. all over North America and, and mostly in the U.S. So, um, yeah, I, I really don't like the cold. I love snow. I'm a big snowboarder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't like the cold. So, um, you know, when I moved to San Francisco, I was there, you know, full time for six years. That was the first time I actually like I realized it was like um, getting into the winter months and I didn't need like a winter jacket. Like it was just such a it was just such an amazing like realization. And like in San Francisco, September, October is actually like some of their best months. Yeah. And I was just like, this is bananas. Like if this is what it's like, why would you not live here or any place like it? So, um, yeah, I usually go home seven weeks in the summer and then uh, rest of the time be somewhere is a lot warmer. So you're current. You're you're in San Diego right now for four months, and you you just you're just at the start of that. Um, but you know, ideally, so after this four months, are, are, do you think you guys will head back to Moncton, or will you go yeah, somewhere we, else? Yeah, we actually, yeah, we have to. We've got a bunch of stuff planned. Um, this year's kind of cool. We like sat down in December. We do like a yearly. I mean, it's kind of like a life planning strategy session. We yeah. actually go offline every quarter. We go offline for three months, but the one in December or for three months, three days. I was gonna say, the one that's in the whole December, quarter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, and ta-da, I work one day. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that December one is where we actually plan for the year. So mm-hmm. uh, this year, every month we have something big. Uh, a lot of it is travel um, or events or whatever. And um, so pretty much this year we'll be back home um, kind of uh, May to August. And then starting September, we're going to go to Europe and then maybe come back for Christmas time. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's really the, the beauty is, is it's an experiment on, on kind of living in life. And, and if we like it, we'll do more of it. And if we don't, we'll see if we need to tweak things. And, you know, it's still early days. Like I said earlier, it's the first time we've done four months, but we've done six weeks, you know, three weeks all the time. But uh, yeah. I like the three to four months. I feel like I really get a chance to experience a city and, and a neighborhood and kind of plant some roots and then um, make some good friends. It's interesting that you said that because I feel the same way as an entrepreneur. I, I um I look at ev- everything as an experiment. That's what I tell people. Just like everything I do is an experiment, and I don't know if it's going to work. And and that's the fun of it. The, the the whole fun is just experimenting and see what works. And so it's interesting that you say that. I mean, is that um, is, is is part of that the drive for you? Is just um, you know trying constantly needing to try new things. I guess it's one part like just this strive to do more, right? And yeah. you know, I just wrote a blog post today about forcing functions and productivity. And, you know, one of the things I argue is that most people could be very easily more productive. They just never, never strive for it. If you think about it, it's kind of like once they're 20 and they have a working structure, they never revisit it, right? And yep. I just think that if everybody just, um, you know, uh, started asking questions and say like every aspect of my life could get better and they had that belief, then what would they change or what would they try? And, you know, everything from, you know, physically how we live or where we live or how I work and how I interact, how I communicate. um, Those are all things that are always up for experimentation and and kind of moving forward in some small way. I mean, just this year, for instance, on a personal level, I decided no speaking, only um, 
I'm shooting a video every week. I, I put on my blog, Demartel.com, and then uh, and then these kind of interviews and webinars because I don't. I want to kind of take a year and see what does that feel like. Do I still feel like I'm staying connected to people that uh, that I want to meet and, and talk with uh, without having to kind of invest? Because I mean, even I think last year I spoke at like 25 events. I mean, that's that's a minimum three days on you know a day of travel on each end plus a day at the event uh, committed. That's a lot of time. So yeah. what happens if you take that out? What's the impact? Is it better? Is it not? And um, and just tweak. I mean, you know, I'm I'm only on on this earth for a small number of years, and I just want to make sure that everyone has the biggest impact. Yeah, no, that I, I'm I'm am just I'm so with you, and, and and very fascinated by that way of thinking because I just don't I don't know. Most of my friends don't don't think that way, so sometimes it's a bit lonely feeling like you know. I had this conversation with a friend that you know most people live these lives where they're always talking about. Someday we're going to do that thing. We're going to move to California. We're going to we're going to visit Germany or we're going to do this thing. But they just don't ever do it. And 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 I guess my greatest fear in life is not failing at something. It's it's waking up and being 70 years old and realizing I've just talked about all this stuff for for 35, 40 years and just never did any of it because it was easier to just keep doing what I was doing, you know, than totally. to to step out and, you know, risk risk something failing or falling apart you know well and it's just it's just it's just risk introducing friction into your life and what could that mean right if you're in a relationship and especially if you have kids like that could mean like your marriage takes a hit or yeah um your business takes a hit and it's just those unknowns are are definitely scary and i get it you know and kind of back to what we were talking about earlier i just i always suggest people like try to break it down and chunk it down right so like yeah you know, don't some people feel like they have to be all in or, or nothing. And I just feel like, you know, if you could, you know, if it's travel for a week, if it's go to yoga at least once, you know, if it's like, oh, I got to get into yoga, it's like, okay, just do it once. Like, that's the minimum commitment. Yeah. And if you like it, cool. And if not, whatever, who cares? But at least you went once, at least you actually know how it felt and you've got a good reference point right, for exactly. making a decision. And, and that's, that's kind of my approach to the experimentation. It's kind of like building product, right? It's the MVP mm-hmm. of the, the personal hack, right? And you're seeing this resurgence right now with like biohacking and yeah, productivity yeah. hacking and, and all that stuff. So it's it's neat to see that they're starting to become a lexicon and a language to talk about it. Um, but it's kind of just how I've always lived my life. Well, yeah, I was about to ask you, you just said it's kind of how you've always lived your life. But the question was, do you did you ever go through a period where, you know, I don't know, you had to face um, um, some self-doubt or some some fear and and then you you got used to this lifestyle of experimentation or have you just always kind of naturally you know had that tolerance for um, risk well I think people need to understand you know I grew up what I call a colorful childhood right and I joke a lot of people some people might you know relate to this but I actually got in a lot of trouble as a teenager I got taken out of my house and put into foster care um, eventually I got I went to jail for drug related charges so I mean oh, wow. um, yeah re- really like challenging upbringing from like the ages of 11 to 17 I eventually went to rehab um, spent a year there have, I've been sober ever since so you know when you talk about risk and challenges yes but um, that's you know now you know when I think of like you know in business people are like why do you think you're such a risk taker I laugh because like when I was younger the stuff I would do it meant like life or death the worst yeah. case today is I, I lose it all and I'm sleeping on my brother's couch for a couple months while I build it back yeah like, yeah that's not risk so that's that's what I that's that's what I tell people is I'm like listen I mean like what are you I mean this is well wait a minute is it 
I was going to say 21st century. I don't know what century we're in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, whatever. It's modern day America or Canada if you're there. I mean, worst case scenario is, is not that you, no one's going to die. You know, worst case scenario is maybe you go bankrupt and you have to move in with your parents for a couple months and, fig- and refigure your life out. But that's that's just money. You know, no, no one's going to die. Nothing. It's not, you know, it's not like it's the 1500s. And so, I don't know. I just find that these fears that keep us from actually doing things it's really, um, they don't, they're not really real. You know, it's, it's just like a kind of a vague being scared of the dark. You don't know what's there, but if you just turn the light on, you know, it's, it's, there's nothing there to be afraid of really. Yeah. No. And that, and that's the thing is fear, fear is real to the person. It's not, it's yeah. not inherently real externally, but that's why I feel really blessed that I went through all that at, at a very young age, because now as an adult, I just, you know, I don't think that way because I went through it. So, you know, but I understand people that haven't, right? Like even yeah. if it's something as subtle as like getting fired from their job and having to find their, you know, their next job, yeah. like that could be crippling for certain people. Um, and, but anybody that's gone through it the first time, they're just like no biggie. Right. So, yeah. You know, I, I really feel like, th- and that's where I, I kind of consider this testing or this experiments is you want to do these small failures so it doesn't like cripple you, but yeah. um, but know that you're doing them and, and they're really just ways to move forward. I just went through a huge, you know, when I was a kid, I just went through such a kind of like l- the bottom of the bottom lows of the lows that from that point on, I, you know, nothing ever felt that scary. Yeah. And it never will be. So as long as, you know, I don't break the law or whatever. But would you um, say maybe that what you just said that um, that nothing is really that scary anymore? Is that probably the biggest, maybe not the biggest, but one of the more significant things that that whole, you know, um, addiction, jail, drugs totally. stuff taught That's you? That's it. I wouldn't change it. Like people are like, wow, would you know, could you if you went back and change it, would you? I'm like, fuck no. Yeah. Like, that's just, I could never, this is who I am. It's, it's why I am who I am. It's why I care so much about helping entrepreneurs and giving back. And I feel blessed with, you know, the, the family and the life that I have today. I mean, just, I wouldn't change it for, for anything. I mean, um, and, and, that, and because of that, I understand why if certain people, even if it's not, you know, uh, something is traumatic, but you know, in, in the vein of challenges, when they're when they're feeling crippled or they feel paralyzed, I totally get it because I, I've been there. Um, you know, I just feel like once they get past it, they'll feel better. And, and I just, you know, at 17, I learned a pretty huge life lesson that's obviously had a huge impact on my success since then. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know if it's something you necessarily want to uh, say or talk about, but like how, how long were you like, did you actually go to like real like Real, yeah. real time prison kind of thing. Yeah. So, so when I was 14, 15, I went to juvie. And then when I was uh, 16, 17, I went to adult jail just cause I got, you know, the, the crimes are fairly severe. Yeah. Um, so uh, I got sentenced two years. I ended up doing six months and then released to a rehab facility to finish off my sentence. And, uh, I spent a, a year there. Um, and it, it changed my life. I mean, it was this really special place where all, you know, and kind of back to why I built clarity, my company that helps people get advice from other entrepreneurs you know at 17 this this facility was the only place in the world that all the staff were extra addicts so mm-hmm. you know it wasn't just some psychologist or somebody just showed sure. up that read a book it's like the person that's been in that hole that's trying to tell you where to put your hands and feet to get out right and that yeah. that lesson is something that i apply in business and life and, and every aspect of of my day so um well i think you know, you're the, really you're you're really I don't want to say lucky as if you didn't actually work hard as if it was something that just happened to you. But but I do think you're lucky. I mean, I have I have personal experience along those lines, too. And I, I think a lot of people 
a lot of people um, just don't ever get out of it. Like, you know, the, the, the addiction, the drug stuff, um, it just, it's, it's a fight that just stays with them Dude, their I know whole the life. Odds. Like recidivism you know? rates for somebody that's been to jail twice is like 97%. You know, what, just, so what, just what is it? Incarcerated. What do you think? I mean, do you have any idea? Like, yeah, I mean, you know those odds. So I, I, I want to ask, like, what, you know, how you have done what you've done. But maybe, maybe you don't even know. Maybe, maybe it was just, you know, you. Well, I've had a lot of time to think about it, and I, you know, I still go and speak to the kids three or four times a year when mm-hmm. I'm in town. It was in a place called Sussex, New Brunswick. So, yeah. um, you know, the way I look at it is you know, for whatever reason, I do believe it's luck or divine intervention or whatever it was. Like I got a second chance and, and really a third chance, but yeah. you know, the, the second time, like I, you know, I really didn't want to go back to jail and I got caught in a high speed chase and I had a gun with me and I just thought if I get stopped, I'm just going to pull it and, and let the cops do their thing. And you know, when wow. I, when, yeah. So, you know, so you, you, you that, were ready, you were ready to just it. let it end. That was it. That was it. Man. Yeah. That's crazy. And, uh, yeah. So Going from that to waking up the next morning and realizing that, you know, when I went to pull the gun, the, the gun got stuck. Um, you know, I just I just didn't want to waste my life. And I felt like somebody was looking out and, you know, I was going to push and, and grow and try to have as big of as an impact as I could. And, you know, since then, I've been a pretty big donor to Portage and other facilities. And mm-hmm. I like I said, I speak to the kids to try to show them an example, because I think the hardest part is when you're when you're going through it, it, it sounds, you know, kind of weird but you know the biggest challenge for them is thinking like will my life suck after this if I stay sober like everything I've known up to this point is you know in this world of partying and being around people and if I was like just sitting at home like maybe I have a job nine to five but then what do I do like they just don't see an exciting fun life well even even beyond that I think you know like I said with my personal experience with this and with family members and stuff I I feel like it's a it's just it's a big almost mind fuck like like these people like it's almost like you um 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 just believe you believe deep down that you're just a piece of shit and this is just your this is just your lot this is your yep. life this is the, the hand you were dealt and you're never going to do anything but it's, but yeah. screw up and screw up and fuck up everyone else's life and so you just feel chained by like you can never change you know this is just the way it's always going to be for you and yeah, just and, getting and over I, that mindset is like so hard. I, I gotta say, like there was there was one, a guard uh, named Brian, and uh, after I got in a fight and I was put in in um, in uh, the hole, I don't even know uh, clothes. Uh, I don't know. Anyways, three days, you know, in a concrete room. Yeah. Um, he pulled me out and he sat me down, and and this is the first time in 17, 16 years at that point that anybody had ever said these words. But he actually asked me what I was doing there, and you know, I was like, well, I got in trouble. And he goes, no, no. He goes, Dan. I see you and I see everybody else and you don't belong here. You know, you're better than this. And like to think that that at 16 years old, nobody had ever said to me, like, this is not the life that you, you should be living or that you're better than this or like that was the first time. Yeah. And Brian, Brian helped me kind of start thinking in a different direction. And it was that, it was that prior to that, I always felt like, you know, I grew up in a challenging environment. So this is what I was, you know, and I hung out with the wrong people and this is just going to be my life. And I'm not that smart. I'm not that capable. And, um, here's a guy that kind of just says, look, I see everybody else. I see you. And you, you know, you, you seem like you actually want to do good. You're super smart. You're doing your homework. Um, you know, you really got to do better than this. And, you know, yeah. him and a bunch of other people along the way really are the reasons why I'm here today. Well, so how did you go from that in your late teens to 
being an entrepreneur and starting your first company and and you know that's just a, just a huge shift. Yeah, well, it turns out that uh, you know living on the streets and getting involved in kind of nefarious activities has turned out to build <laughs> business acumen. <laughs> like people, you know, I always tell this to the kids. Like you know, if you've ever sold drugs or you know negotiated yourself out of a sticky situation, like you've got some really solid skills that right. you can apply to entrepreneurship. So you know, as long as it's not illegal and it's something you're passionate about, which they all get that. See, that's the thing is like there's just so many great kids. Like when I go talk to them, like eighty percent of them could be really amazing entrepreneurs and leaders, but they just, they don't have anything. They, they don't even know it's an option, right? Yeah. They're just so focused on like staying sober and figuring out where they're going to live when they get out and who their new group of friends are going to be that they don't realize like, it, not only can you have that, you can actually stack on, uh, you know, creating your own income and, and living any part of the world and traveling. And, you know, I mean, this year in May, I got to spend a week with Richard Branson. I mean, that, wow. who, 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 you know, who, who from Moncton, New Brunswick, some kid. How the you hell know, are you, how'd you manage exactly. that? I don't know. Like, what, well, I mean, what are you doing for that month? Are you just hanging out? <laughs> uh, no, it was for a week. Yeah, no, we, we spent a week at his house with him and his wife, and there was about eight other entrepreneurs. And, and Richard was friends with a, one of my other friends, that, and he asked him, he's like, hey, I'm going to my house in Switzerland. Do you know anybody that's helping entrepreneurs? I'd love to meet with them. And he brought together eight entrepreneurs that were helping other entrepreneurs. You know, and because of my company Clarity, I made the list and it's probably one of the most, you know, impactful weeks of my life. But, wow. you know, the whole time I was there just, you know, sitting down, eating dinner with him and hanging out and skiing. I was just thinking, like, I can't believe this is my life. Like, I was just waiting to wake up. And, you know, when I think back of, of all the challenges that I had grow, growing up and what I've gone through to this point, you know, I t also just turned 35. So I just feel absolutely blessed. And, and I feel like my my only um, responsibility now is to kind of, you know, some people call it sending the elevator back down, mm -hmm. um, but really to give it back and pay it forward. And that's why I said earlier, like I'm only doing webinars and I've spoken a lot of conferences is my small way to kind of try to to share what I've learned and, and to honor the people that have uh, that have been so great to me. Yeah. Well, so how did you how did you get to uh, clarity? Because, like I said, you 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 call yourself an entrepreneur and an investor, and that you've invested in a lot of companies, which implies that you have you know made enough money to be an <laughs> yeah. investor. So obviously, it didn't start with clarity. So no, what, no. what? I mean, my short my short story is I started when I was so I actually learned how to program while I was in rehab. I found mm -hmm. an old computer and a book on Java programming. So again, divine intervention. Yeah. Because that was, that was, you know, and I, I talk about this a lot is like, you got to find something to replace those activities yep. that is positive. And for me, it was programming. And mm -hmm. it sounds totally weird for me because I was like not really good in school or whatever, but there's just something about creating something in a digital world. And then the internet was coming online. Well, it was like 98, 90, you know, yeah. 97, 98. So the internet was around. So it was just like this realization to me that if I built something, I could share it with anybody in the world. Yeah. Like that was crazy growing up with a dad that worked in a shop that I had no clue what he actually did during the day. Like I never saw his work product Yeah. to one where I could create anything and it'd be shared instantly with anybody in the world. So I, I seven, so got out of, of um, rehab, went back to high school, eventually graduated, took me <laughs> quite a long time and then uh, started a technology business. But it really was a project, right? It wasn't a, it wasn't, I just, I couldn't get a job. Like I, I just knew that yeah. I could never be employed. So I started a maritime vacation.com, which is a vacation rental site. Kind was, of like, VR was that the first, was that the first yeah. business? That was the first. So, so there's been five businesses I've started where I've incorporated, but there's been about 25 domains and projects started. Hmm. Yeah. Right. 
I always joke with people like how many domains you own yeah. for ideas. <laughs> like we all oh, got I know. Yeah. 50. But you know, in regards to like full earnest businesses and corporated bank accounts, there's been five. And the first one was maritime vacation. You know, I lived on the East coast of Canada. We had a place called Shidiac that had cottages. There was no resource for them to list those cottages. So every time somebody wanted to rent, they had to call the, you know, it just, mm-hmm. I, I watched uh, friends of mine go through this, like getting these phone calls. So built this website and actually, you know, it was the first time I ever made a dollar. I sent out a mass mailing to all the uh, listings on uh, the uh, the the bed and breakfast uh, thing and people sent me back 30 bucks in the mail with a filled out information sheet and three pictures that I would scan in and create their profile like it was wow. super ghetto yeah yeah but I built it learned a lot made a dollar on the internet uh, that failed because I called it maritimevacation.ca which meant my total market size was about 200 cottages right. um, and the guys at at the cottage.com just dominated and took over um, but then I did a web hosting company because I think you know anybody back then that built websites thought I gotta do the hosting <laughs> so I get paid every month exactly yeah you know yeah everybody knows anybody's like our age knows this we all did it so yeah. uh, nbhost.com was formed so realized to call it .com focused on banks and big customers um, ended up uh, losing about twenty thousand uh, ten thousand line of credit that me and my brother each uh, put in. Um, now, were you uh, still were you still single during all this? Oh yeah, um, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah, no kids. I was twenty. I mean, I was like seventeen. Oh, Maritime okay. vacation was like a year, so I was eighteen. Started NB host when I was nineteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was twenty, kind of when it failed. So a couple of years of that. I mean, it, it, I always tell people if you want to have a life or or anything, don't build a web hosting company because right. like I was supporting mail servers and it databases. seems so easy. It seems so oh. easy, but you're right. It is not it worth it. Like, yeah. Unless you're gonna innovate like Amazon, like just yeah. just just no. It's like selling gold, like. There's just the volume. It's just a, it's a commodity. So that was the lesson I learned there in business is like, don't get into a commodity business. Like yeah, but it's a, it's a huge, it. it's a huge time suck too. Cause you think, oh, I just, I, I can upsell this a little bit and get all these clients. But then, then you realize when you wake up that morning with 400 emails, you know, about, a server issue or email didn't come through, you're like, uh-oh, you know, like, what did I do? <laughs> to set the servers up, right? You're yeah. like, oh, I could 100 clients with this one server, but I got to set it up. And it's so like a week of worth of work and security and getting hacked. And so yeah. um, that was the second company, complete failure. And then, then nope. I did freelancing. Just to interrupt you real quick. When you say complete failure, do you mean like, okay, this grand. didn't work, I've got to move on? Or do you mean you sold it and you lost money oh. or... Maritime vacation, I ended up letting run and then die. So, so that just died out. Yeah. 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 There was like three or four customers that paid me for a couple of years. And then they got smart enough to realize there's other yeah. sites that have better tools. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, but I did have at one point like 35 customers. So I made, I made, you know, decent money for a while. And then uh, NB Host was, um, we ended up getting a bank uh, credit union uh, as a customer. And that just totally imploded everything. That's, that's when my life went out of control. My brother was supposed to be doing sales. He wasn't the cost of the servers and everything was just not covering uh, the revenue wasn't covering the cost. We were Mm. losing money. That one we had to shut down and just call it a loss. Um, but you know, again, just learn lessons. Then I did freelancing to kind of, you know, pay back all the loans. Was this freelance like web design stuff or, uh, development, web development. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was more of a, like a programmer and stuff. And then, um, did that for two years. Uh, ended up actually finding that gig in Fort McMurray, Alberta, making uh, 70. So this is the deal. I was 20, 22 or 20 years old, making $75 an hour, all my expenses paid. 
Mm-hmm. It was like 150 grand a year, but I saved every penny. I lived off 40,000 a year, drove an 87 Jetta and <laughs> yeah. did that for two years. And um, then I went traveled to Australia for a few months. And after that, took everything I had savings and put it into the company Sphere Technologies. And that, that company is when I really changed the way I approached work. I realized I didn't know anything about business. I read every business book I could get my hands on. I got business mentors. And over a four-year period, we grew it to about 30 employees, about $4 million in revenue, and then got acquired. What did that com- company do? Uh, it was an enterprise portal company. So back in the days of like the Yahoo portals, there was mm-hmm. this like transition to enterprise, which was, you know, and today it would be like, um, you know, SharePoint and other yep. companies like yeah, that. Yeah. But back then it was like a thing. A lot of it was custom. There was a company called Plumtree Portals that we uh, specialized in and that was our thing. So all of our customers were like Procter & Gamble, Dole Foods, Johnson & Johnson, Novartis Pharmaceuticals. Um, and, you know, I was 24 when I started that business and grew it uh, to 30 employees in four years. Yeah, so something there, okay, but between when you started that and the previous one, you know, so, something changed. You know, um, previous one, not that they were waste of time, but but they were failures, as you said. And then, and then something changed and you were able to actually create a business that you would call a success. And as you said, was it just reading books and self-education? Um, it was. It was, yeah. it was realizing that I don't have to know all the answers. I just need to like learn in real time. I call it just in time education versus just in case. Yeah. A lot of people learn just in case. I, I'm, I don't believe in that at all. I think it's stupid. I, I do just in time. And, you know, it, it's been years. Like, I mean, I've read, read, uh, read 500 books to this point. But what what mean, is that? What does that mean practically, though, just in time? Like, um, you just give me a quick example of difference well, I mean, between like just in time. Business, you'd want to read three books on starting a business. Yes. If you're then so, started, and you're like, I need marketing knowledge. Then you read three books on marketing. You know, right? And then so like, instead, instead of like, instead of like reading everything, like you just, you just well, it's figure just like out universities just yeah. in case. It's like you learn all this stuff, and you may never use right. it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So you're, you're you're intentionally just skipping everything, but what is going to teach you what you need to know right then? Yeah, because the way I learn is I need to learn and apply. So yeah. if you're not ready to apply, then learning now is actually a really waste, uh, wasteful activity. It just fills your head with stuff to no, think that, about. It yeah. takes time to learn, which yeah. wastes your time, and it fills your head with useless information, and you may never use it. Like the risk of it going bad, by the time you use it, it could be out of date. Like if, if you learned about MySpace back in the day as a social marketer, you'd waste your time when it goes to nothing. Sure. And now everything's on Facebook. So um, a lot well, of so times that, that's what happens. That company uh, was acquired, you said, and did you, at that point, did you already have this idea for clarity in, in your head no. or no, how no, did no, that no. come then, about? I, then, well, then I moved to San Francisco and I started a social media marketing product called Flowtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was when I raised venture capital. So I started investing in companies when I was 26. So about halfway through Sphere Technologies, we were making really great profit because we were a service company and um, I didn't you know, I didn't spend money crazily and I started diverting some of that into angel investing because I'd meet really great entrepreneurs and didn't really have the time to be yeah. that involved, but I wanted to be in, aligned with their, their interests and, and success. So started investing at 26, um, and now done 33 investments as an angel investor. And really, it really, is just like me personally meeting somebody that I like. There's no like, you know, I hate when people are like, Hey, I've got this great business idea. It's like, yeah, I'm going to pass. Like, I don't, I don't invest in people I don't know. 
Yeah. Right. So unless I've just happened to meet you through a friend or an event, you know, don't send me cold emails. If anybody's listening to this, don't bother. Like it's a quick <laughs> no. I just don't. That's not why I invest. Well, right? when I hear investment, I, I you know, I, I'm not in that world. I think millions of dollars, stuff like that. Is that what we're talking uh, about here? Are you talking about, you know, maybe ten thousand dollars or five thousand dollars? Five to a hundred per okay. company. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty five thousand to a hundred thousand. Um, uh, as an, yeah, as an angel, cause you're usually involved with, uh, you know, 10 other people investing in a company. So they're raising mm -hmm. around half a million to a million. So you each put in kind of proportionally and then the value add. So for me, it's growth hacking and fundraising. Like those are my two strengths. Do you still spend a lot of time? Cause a lot of people are just, that's what they do. They're professional, you know, investors, yeah, exactly. you know, and they need to look at every deal because that's how they make money. I don't, I don't, you know, I've made money as an investor, but I, that wasn't the plan. It was really just to support people I liked and learn. Right. Like, yeah. you know, it's accelerated learning in the sense that, you know, if I invest 25 K into a company and, you know, every other week they send me an update on how they're doing and they're in a completely different industry that I've ever been experienced in, uh, I learned so fast that way. Yeah. Right. So I've invested in like companies like Unbounce and, you know, landing page tool, get around, uh, mm -hmm. food spotting, which was acquired, uh, intercom, which is really big right now. And, you know, just, uh, Udemy and a bunch of great companies. So like the way I look at it is like, I'm almost paying to learn about industries as fast as yeah. possible. And I just happen to spend time with really smart people. So, so the um, invest, the investing side, is that, is that a hobby for you or you do yeah, it totally. just cause you enjoy it? You know, uh, it's a, it's a portfolio approach. Yeah. You know, like I've made money when I was younger and, and since then I took a portion into real estate and some into angel technology investing and the other into market. So it's amazing so. to me that you, you've done all this stuff just basically through self-education, though, because some of this stuff seems like, you know, you and I are the same age. We, we've had a similar path um, in some ways. And yet some of those types of things you're talking about, the investing and, and all that kind of stuff seems like. It seems to me like uh, being a, a neurosurgeon, like I, I would just have to, like I wouldn't even begin to know where to start to get involved in that kind of world. You know, it'd be so much education and learning that would be required. But the, but it's like everything. So there's a difference, you know, in, in every industry from being like a financial analyst versus, you know, an angel investor. Like there, there there's different levels of information that you need to know. Like I was fortunate that I, I made a lot of decent shitty investments when I was like 26 to 28. But then when I moved to San Francisco, I got introduced to Naval Ravikant, who's the founder of AngelList, mm -hmm. arguably one of the best angel investors in the world. And he was kind enough to share some experience and best practices with me. So mm -hmm. I just followed his investment rules. Like he's the one that said like, here are my rules for investing. You should create your own. You should always invest the exact same amount in every company so that you're not trying to pick winners because you'll never know which one's gonna win. Right. And you wanna be in the market over at least a four year period and make at least a dozen investments. And if you're not willing to do that, you shouldn't invest. So and like, that's, so finding, that's, finding a mentor was, was, was really helpful for you then. That's, that's true. I learned that when I was 17 at rehab. Yeah. Again, yeah. like I feel absolutely blessed. I learned that lesson at such a young age. And if, if people are listening and not, and don't have that person, like find them, your life will change when you start spending time with people that can, um, can kind of guide you into better decisions in life. Well, so you know, here's, I, here's a really practical question then in that regard, because I've experienced the same thing recently and kind of realizing, you know what, I can't do all this stuff by myself. I, I do need to find people to learn from, but like your experience uh, with AngelList and that stuff, um, you know, uh, w we have access to people that are kind of within our realm or maybe slightly beyond our realm, but, but how, how does one find a mentor clarity. that is... <laughs> 
Oh, you know what I'm saying? There you like go, that. man. Yeah, exactly. Appreciate. I don't know if that was a law ball, but you know, I'll knock that one out of the park. I mean, that, that's why I built the company. I just felt like, you know, there's. I remember I was standing on the roof of my place in San Francisco, looking around and realizing there's all these brilliant entrepreneurs here that are absolutely helpful and knowledgeable and, and would be willing to give back under the right conditions. And there was no way for them to do that. And that's why I built Clarity. So, you know, we've, you know, it's a really simple idea that you can go on and find the best experts in every yeah. industry and vertical and schedule a call with them. And some of them charge, some of them are free and it's by the minute. And, um, you know, yeah. so they may not be a formal mentor, but they'll teach you how to find a mentor. They'll teach you how to raise capital. They'll teach you how to build product. I mean, I use Clarity every week. I mean, it's just. You use it yourself? like schedule calls with people the team has unlimited budget for anybody that's a dollar a minute or less like that's just my rule like use it for design reviews for product development conversation it just it creates more bandwidth for me i don't have to be the smartest person in the room yeah i mean i i have a profile on there (laughs) about uh podcasting and stuff like that although it feels kind of like a one-off thing though i mean would you say is is clarity a place where you could connect with and establish an, an ongoing relationship with someone no, it's really so. The, the thing with clarity and the reason people do it is because there is no expectations of ongoing, right? Yeah. Yeah. If they, if there was, the people on clarity wouldn't be on clarity. I mean, if you look right. at the caliber, I mean, they're just not guys that need more friends or need to add more work in their day. So, yeah. um, but what what's great about it is it's it's kind of like when I look at at kind of getting advice, right? There's advising, coaching, and mentors. Right? Yep. And they're all different. And they all have different roles. Clarity is more of an advisory network, right? When you when you have a specific challenge and you need advice from three or four people and talk through the same scenario and get three or four different pieces of feedback and then make your own decision mm-hmm. as an entrepreneur, that's where clarity is really great. Um, if you need a mentor, I always say try to find somebody that's three or four years ahead of where you want to be and in your local geography. And it's a numbers game. So if you want two or three mentors, you got to reach out to like a dozen to 15 people, mm-hmm. right? And be okay that they're not going to respond or they're going to say no or they're just going to blow you off. But that's how you do it. And don't ever ask them to be a mentor because nobody wants to be a mentor. I have mentors that I've never asked them to be. They don't know that I call them mentors. They're just people that are absolutely accomplished and brilliant that I aspire to even have remotely their their thought cycles and yeah. they allow me to spend time with them. And that's just, you know, and then you have coaches who are people that you pay on an ongoing basis to uh, kind of keep you in line and keep you in check. And like, I feel like all three are needed and everybody yeah. should have all three. Well, I feel like that's, uh, I, I've thought for so long, man, that, 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 that right there, what, what we just, what you just talked about, that's, that's the best kind of education. You know, this sort of apprenticeship model, um, is, is so much better than like the education system that we've built in, you know, the modern world, which is still just based on, you know, the industrial age and, and, you know, being a cog in a wheel, but like, but actually, you know, um, but actually apprenticing, like like having someone teach you what to do, you know, is, is you know, is so much more valuable. It's, it's I, how it used to be. Like that's how we exactly. evolved as a species. And yeah. then when the industrial age started, we started doing these classroom styles yeah. just because it was more efficient to get people as quickly as possible into the factory. But it's not the 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 way that humans prefer to do it. It's, right. it's more through osmosis. It's conversations. It's interactions. It's through aligned interests and values and um, you know feedback cycles. Like the best thing I love is when I'm you know if I'm a men- I, I don't do formal mentoring, but companies I invest in obviously I, I, I advise and like to be able to like talk to them through their challenges, giving them some thoughts, and then having them circle back. It's like you you start learning at a at a capacity and a speed that would just never be possible on your own because you have all 
all these people going out and experimenting in the world and then bringing you back the 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 results right yeah. so it's like that that is the byproduct of being of giving back on top of you know just being a good person like i just think everybody can be a mentor to every any somebody else right like yeah. wherever it doesn't matter where you're at in your life there's somebody that's trying to get there and they would love to talk to somebody that's been there yeah no, I, so. I totally agree. Well, I have two two questions left for you, kind of wrapping it up. One is, you know, given that you you said you wouldn't change anything, and, and you've learned so much from the the quote hardships or quote failures, but they they weren't necessarily those things because they um, have made you who you are. You know, I struggle with this exact thing with my own kids. Is like, you know, um, obviously you don't want your kids. I don't want my girls to go through and make the mistakes that I did, but I also realized how valuable those things were for me. So, you know, in your situation, like all that stuff you went through as a teenager was very valuable for you, but I doubt that you would wish that on your own kids. So like, how do you, have you thought about how, I mean, I know they're young, but have you thought about like how you can teach them to sort of follow in in your path, but, but not have to go through the things you went through? Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot about this, like probably not this year, but next year will be the year of really, truly understanding, you know, um, being a parent of, of kids that, uh, and, and I use the word entrepreneurial to just embrace the idea of like, you know, uh, leader and, and, and creator. Yeah. You know, I like the word creator better. So let's say I want to raise creators mm-hmm. in the world. Um, so we do a lot of different things. Um, so, so one, we never say to the kids like, oh, you're so smart or you're so this or that because it actually produces a fixed mindset. So mm-hmm. there's great books on this you can read. But, you know, so I always say like, wow, I really admire the way you tried to get that puzzle put together. So it's really about the growth and the, the trying. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't give them anything. Everything has to be earned. Um, you know, we have a rule that any, any toy that comes into the house as a gift, another toy has to leave the house. That toy has to be donated to somebody that's in need and they the kids actually do it so we adopted this uh adopted is kind of a loose term we essentially sponsor or are friends with this this uh, grandmother that has these um two two-year-old kids twins that uh were the the, the children of her her son who's going through mm-hmm. a drug addiction problem and the kids bring those toys to those kids and they play with those kids so they see you know what it's like to live in a 500 dollars a month apartment paycheck yeah. to paycheck because we go there every couple weeks to spend time with them and and we don't do that to kind of as a pity thing, but we do it because I, I, I want to be reminded. I think people need to, and it's a way for us to show that, that grandmother that there's a, there's, there's different ways of thinking. And, and when yeah. she asks for advice, we give it to her. And if she doesn't, we don't, you know? Yeah. So I, there's a bunch of things, but all of that, all these ideas that I'm talking about, I got from other mentors that had really great relationships with their kids and their kids were really well adjusted mm-hmm. and they were super wealthy and could give and provide everything in the world to their kids. And they didn't, I got yeah. their advice on how to be a great, you know, what I'm trying to attempt to be is as a, as a great father that creates creators and independent thinkers and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So even in parenting, you know, you got, you, you, you've, you've gone the mentor model with that. I, I don't do anything in life without talking to somebody that's done it before. Yeah. I just think that that's uh, slow and irresponsible and um, not very fun. Like I yeah. just don't, like, I don't care if you said, and like, you know, 
you know, where do I buy my mic for my thing? I'd email four podcaster friends and say, hey, yeah. what kind of mic should I get? And they're the ones that told yeah. me to get this crazy looking mic. Right? <laughs> yeah. Now, I didn't tell them that I'd be traveling with it or that I cared about the background sound. So they gave me the one they all use. But, you know, it's kind of like I just think that if people just create like that's just a it's kind of like a muscle now for me. It's like my default state. But I think if everybody just started working that way a, a little bit by little bit, they'd be surprised at how much faster they could move in the world and how better their relationships be. Because everybody loves to give advice. So, you know, you're doing a favor to somebody else by actually asking them for their opinion. Sure. It's a gift. It is. Yeah, I know. I, I totally agree. Well, so the last question I want to ask you is, um, again, um, I didn't realize that we were the same age, but we are, which makes me feel kind of shitty because you've accomplished so much more. Hopefully, hopefully inspired than shitty. It, but. Well, yeah, you, you know what I mean. I, I am inspired, but totally. at the same time, Dude, it's I like. I spend time in the Silicon Valley with 20 year olds that make me look lazy yeah so. well it's like when you hit 35 you just get this I, i've said it on the show so many times but it's like in your 20s there's still this there's still this sense that like life is never going to end and you can do whatever you want to do and by the time you have a couple kids and you're in your mid-30s there's definitely this sense of time is um is not always going to be here and if, if there's things i want to do i got to get to it you know <laughs> and so sure. but um so you you are seem like a very ambitious sort of guy a very thoughtful you know, intellectual kind of guy is, is clarity, is clarity the thing you've been working toward all this time or, or is it, um, it's, it's a step in where you're trying to go. Like I'm sort of asking what's next after clarity, but I don't know if you even know that really. No, I mean, there, there really isn't clarity was this kind of like a friend of mine when I launched it, he said, I've never seen a product that had better product market fit or founder fit. So product yeah. founder fit. And, and he was totally right. Like it was really everything I'd learned, everything I'd went through culminated into, and all my passions into this thing that, that, that is a vent, you know, we're venture back. We raised a million and a half dollars from Mark Cuban and a bunch of other smart investors. Um, so I will be working on clarity. It's, it's kind of my thing. I don't think about what's next because, you know, the kids keep me busy enough that if I do have a spare moment, they fill it. So yeah, really, really that's, that's my hundred thousand percent focus. Well, that's awesome, man. This was an amazing story, dude. I, I didn't expect to have the connection of Moncton, and I certainly from <laughs> certainly from what I've known of you, I, I didn't know that you had the the history that you did as a teenager and having some of that similar experience myself. It's just, um, yeah, it's just it's just amazing that you've been able to. Um, it's been it's it's amazing that you've been able to do what you've done because I know so many people who just um, are still stuck, you know. Well, and that's why I like to share my story. A lot of people are like, why would you tell people? But, you know, I I feel like I have a responsibility to, if I can, you know, at least somebody could hear the story and realize there's a different path and a decision. If they want to reach out to me, they can. And, um, yeah. you know, again, I'm I'm only here because of the people that, that were kind enough to spend time with me and share, share do you, ideas. Do you have your own profile on Clarity for people to connect uh, with you? You know, the challenge is I do. I'm 5000 an hour, so I price <laughs> oh, wow. myself okay. out of the market quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Um, if people are smart enough to figure out my email and they are clever enough to get my attention, then I, you know, I have a way for them to spend time <laughs> that doesn't cost that. And if they can't, then that's just the life. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for coming on the show and, and talking about all this stuff, man. This was great. Really appreciate Adam, it. Adam, I really appreciate the time and uh, hope to meet you in person soon. Definitely. All the best. Well, 
that's it. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Hope you were as encouraged and inspired by that as I was. Thanks, Dan, for taking time to come on to the show and tell that story. What an amazing story it was. You can follow along on Twitter by following me at AV Clark or Facebook, t- facebook.com slash TGM podcast. And I think those are the only ones we're on. I don't know. You can just Google the Gently Mad and something will come up. You can also go to avclark.com slash TGM and listen to the back catalog. (laughs) We've already got a back catalog and it's only been three weeks, but it is quite a back catalog, I will say. Go check out some of those old episodes because they were pretty incredible, if I do say so myself. Uh, Once again, thanks to Less Accounting for being our first sponsor on this show, sponsoring the first month of the show. Go to lessaccounting.com slash TGM. Use the code TGM and get two months free on any plan they offer. And also, if you want a copy, if you want to win a copy of Seth Godin's new book, What to Do When It's Your Turn, then go to avclark.com slash contest, get in on it, and you could win it. I think that's all I've got. I'll see you later. Have a good week. See you next time. We'll be right back.